ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is a monumental day in the history of our sport, NASCAR. And as Marty mentioned, next year we'll be celebrating our 75th year anniversary. In 75 years, our sport has never had a street course. And I am excited and proud to announce to you today that on July 2nd, 2023, the NASCAR Cup Series will be coming to downtown Chicago uh, and racing here. So really excited about it. Against the sky blue waters of Lake Michigan, a city rises at the center of the American experience. Amongst the canyons of skyscrapers, impossible doesn't exist. This is a place where all who dare make the most of their dreams. After all, icons that power above the rest were made here. So in this city of the greatest of champions, this city, with its buildings that dagger the sky as if height is but a dare, this city, without limitations, welcomes its next icon, a race weekend like no other, on a course like no other. Along these shores, amongst these canyons, the sounds of NASCAR will echo in 2023. And with that, hello everyone, welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouse, along with uh, the Mayor Jeff Burton, the Professor Nate Ryan, I'm Marty Snyder, glad to be with you guys today, plenty coming up on the show today, coming up in a few minutes, Adam Stevens, the winning crew chief from New Hampshire this past Sunday, of course with Christopher Bell, he's coming up in about five minutes, Riley Herbst from the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driving for Stuart Haas Racing, he'll be here as well, plus our friend Kelly Stavis is back, she'll be joining us here on the show today but leading it off the chicago street race jeff uh big announcement yesterday up in chicago where it was quite a warm day you like this move by nascar they've made some pretty bold moves with the schedule lately you know they have made some bold moves i never would have thought you know as a race fan you know in my teens or, or even in my 30s <laughs> that we would ever consider going to a street course it'd been floated around you know for years and i'm like nah you can't, you can't do that <laughs> and then you know and under, now understanding the you know that this gives us some flexibility and what we can do in the future not having to go to one racetrack you know for 20 years in a row and try some different stuff and la was such a success then man i'm i'm wide open like let's try some stuff mm. and and uh and the course you know, we, you know, it's a big deal. It's a big event. It's in, it's in Chicago, a huge city. All that's great. The racing matters too. And this course is so much different than I thought it would be. It's so much wider, which I think is important for stock cars. And 
that gives me some, some really good ideas about how this race can be competitive and that it will be competitive. Well, I think certainly, Jeff, the next gen and the platform that that was built on, it's modeled a little bit after a sports car, I think gives NASCAR an avenue to, to race on a street course like this. And it's interesting what you're saying about the layout. I, I look at the layout and I see a street race and I don't really think about the racing as much as I think about the event. Now, I've covered Long Beach, I covered yeah. St. Petersburg, uh, I covered Nashville last year for IndyCar, and that was a huge pop of adrenaline and excitement. And I think NASCAR is going to feel the same thing with Chicago. They had a mayor at the event yesterday, mm -hmm. not the mayor Jeff Burton, but they had Mayor Lori Lightfoot, and she was over the moon about having this event in Grant Park with the Chicago skyline behind the course, you know, right next to the loop adjacent to Chicago's downtown, and this race made the front page of the Chicago Sun-Times. It made yeah. the front page of the Chicago Tribune. And when NASCAR raced at Chicagoland Speedway, they had great races, but I don't think they always had that presence. And I think that's what I was really encouraged by with this event. To Jeff's point, uh, the clash at the Coliseum was proof of concept that NASCAR can race in major metropolitan markets. And now I think we're going to see it next year in Chicago. I'll tell you what, when Bubba Wallace fired up that car to go around the streets of downtown, that was one car, and you could just hear it echo everywhere. You went to college there, Nate, so you know that sports environment, you know that sports culture. How will this be accepted by everyone in Chicago? I, I think when they hear the cars, they're going to go, yeah. wow, I had yeah. no idea this was coming. Well, it's, you know, I'm also a music aficionado. Yeah, it's sure. right next to where they have Lollapalooza every yep, year in Chicago is known for really big events and big festivals like this right ne next to Lake Michigan um, they're a big sports town they haven't always been known for their racing Jeff I know you know in the times that NASCAR raced in Joliet I think that there was attention there was exposure but I don't think it's the level you're going to get where they're racing a mile away from where Soldier Field is where the Bears play this is great for the sport this exposes the drivers the sponsors the car owners it exposes them to more people because just out of curiosity, like what, how in the hell is this going to work? Stock cars, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. street cars. Right. It exposes the sport to more people. And the, and the, and the race fans that are, are our current fans are going to turn it on just to see what happens. Even if they think it's going to be a mess, they're going to turn it on to see the mess. So we don't know what's going to happen with the race. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we don't know. But again, I think that the circuit itself looks like it could be a competitive type of racetrack, more so than I would originally have thought. And with the opportunity to take this sport to more people at a time where our popularity is is rising. Mm -hmm. we, we, we feel it every weekend at the racetrack. You feel it, you see it in the TV numbers. There's some genuine enthusiasm about this sport. And being able to take it to more people, different people, that's, that's not a bad thing. Can you imagine the shot coming down Lakeshore and the cars <laughs> and the skyline? I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. And that atmosphere, I think you're right, Nate, is going to be fantastic. Well, let's welcome in the crew chief for the winning team Sunday in New Hampshire. Adam Stevens guided Christopher Bell to the win, got themselves a guaranteed spot in the playoffs. I know you're focused on the now, Pocono this weekend, but what's the street course going to be like <laughs> for the Cup Series cars, Adam? Oh, you guys have blown my mind. I, I have no <laughs> earthly idea. Um, we have enough trouble getting around the uh, road courses we've already been to. I can't imagine uh, taking these cars to a to a street course and trying to figure it out. But uh, it'll be exciting. It'll be a lot of fun. And I think uh, you'll see uh, who's got the hot hand change uh, throughout the weekend. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I love about this sport is that the, 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 the guys like you, drivers, are so creative and innovative. Like, it'll be a race to who can yeah, win this right. race. I mean, you're going to want to win this race. <laughs> sure, so it's going to be course. a big deal to win it. Uh, Adam, you guys uh, obviously got your car right 
uh, at the right time on Sunday. There was a conversation on the radio that got a lot of people's attention. Uh, Christopher Bell's like, I got it, man. I got it. And I thought that was got, awesome. Got my I thought, too. <laughs> so how did that happen? Tell us the backstory on that. Yeah, so, you know, we were coming down the stretch there, and it was pretty clear that we had enough speed to catch the nine car, and we had enough laps. And as a crew chief who tries to think about everything and has been in situations like this before, the last thing you want is your driver to make an over-aggressive mistake because he wasn't supplied the information that you had. So I was making sure that he knew that he was gaining on him and that uh, we probably had a better long-run car than he did based off what we saw in the race and, and keeping him abreast of how many laps we had left. And I think after about the first or second time I said that, that uh, he was pretty sure he had it under control. I, I gotta, I gotta say though, Adam, I was bragging on you on the coaching job you were doing because you were telling me, make sure you got something for the end, make sure you got something for the end, Nate, and and it certainly worked for those it, guys. It certainly did. Uh, Adam, Jeff Burton said on the broadcast yesterday that he was talking to Christopher Bell recently and that C Bell basically told him, hey, I feel like we're the fastest Gibbs driver right now, hmm. um, and obviously the results haven't quite shown that until New Hampshire. But have you felt that way recently about the number twenty Toyota where? The, the speed was there, but I've been mean, circumstances or, you know, whether it's the pit crew, was it just a matter of putting things together and having a day like in New Hampshire to show that you guys have been the fastest of the Gibbs table? Absolutely. I, I feel like uh, we've probably been that team all year um, out of our camp, I feel like. Um, but there's a lot that goes into results um, other than just fast race cars. You know, a lot of people have to do their jobs. You have to execute the race um, right behind the wheel and um, behind the wall and over the wall. And I have to make good calls on the box. And, and we just haven't been able to do that as often as we like. And, and when we have, you know, maybe the circumstances don't play out in our favor. But uh, this week, you know, they certainly did. And I think we got to show what uh, Bell's capable of and what our cars are capable of. Adam, we talk a lot about the point situation. And we've had so many winners uh, and only a few spots left. Uh, were you guys starting to feel that pressure? Absolutely. Um, you're coming down to the here and just there's two wildcard races left, right, before we get to the playoffs. You know, anybody can win Daytona. We've seen it. And um, as chaotic as the Indy road course was last year, I mean, geez, if you get out of there with a whole car that didn't flip over and catch on fire, I think you've had a pretty good day. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just a, a wild time in this sport. There's there's a lot of parity because there's a lot of uncertainty. I think that's a big part of it. You know, we're all still trying to figure this new car out, trying to figure out the setups and how to navigate the rules and, and NASCAR's doing the same. Um, so, you know, you saw a couple teams that kind of came out of the box a little stronger than others. And now I think you're starting to see the uh, bigger teams catch up and, and, and figure out their programs and show their strength. I got to ask you about your pit crew, Adam. They've been sort of maligned all year long. They've only been yours for two weeks, obviously, after the swap with Bubba Wallace's team. But after the problems at Atlanta, you told me I didn't get on them. I told them, hey, just stick to the basics. And they delivered two of the best three stops of the entire t uh, organization, everyone on pit road on Sunday. What was the difference, you feel like, for the group on Sunday to deliver those, those quick stops? Um, you know, the, the first time that we got this group together, they had tremendous speed. Uh, and there were some hiccups, but I wouldn't say any more hiccups than what we see out of any of the other pairings we've had or even what we see on pit road in general. So um, what they didn't have was a lot of time working together. And there's a lot of nuances of the movements and of the choreography of the pit stop, no matter which way you run it, where especially when it happens as fast as it does, you know, um, geez, you lose sight of how much quicker these stops are than what they were before. And 
Um, you know, just a little movement or a foot position or a hand position or the way they run around the car or place themselves and each guy getting adjusted to that just makes a huge difference and you need reps to do that and only having a week to do that going into Atlanta and trying to evaluate that is it's not fair right and then give them another week and you know they got a little better and they are absolutely working their guts out they're committed to it and they got a lot of energy and um, it's been fun to kind of have that different vibe and uh, they're really committed to doing well. Adam, what's it like? I mean, I'm sure it's frustrating for a driver when they come in and they lose positions in the pits. But for you, being the crew chief, and you're given a lot of autonomy to control a lot of things around the car and the team, but it's my understanding when it comes to the pit crews, that's sort of like an organizational decision. Is that difficult for you at all, especially like you're, you're talking about, like with the pit stops being different this year where you don't maybe get as much input or as much say into, you know, the pit crew that you're given each week? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult, but there's reasons for that, right? Um, it takes a whole department to do those stops well. You know, they, they train the athletes, they organize the practice, they break down the film, they keep track of other teams and what's going on and, and who's up and coming. And, um, you know, there's just a lot that goes into that. And that's not something you could put on a, a crew chief's plate, really, with everything we have going on. So, you know, that being said, we do have a voice in the decision, but it's, it's one of many voices. Whereas when it comes down to the race car stuff, the buck stops with us. So um, it, it is different, but it's different by necessity. Um, and is it frustrating when we have a bad stop and we have cars that are capable of winning? You're damn right it's frustrating. <laughs> and it, it, it's frustrating for me. It's frustrating for Bell. It's frustrating for this whole company, right? Because um, coach puts us in a position to win races and expects us to win races. And when we can't deliver on that, no matter if it's, you know, if it comes down to one person's mistake or a series of bad decisions or a crappy setup that I put in the car, you have to answer for that. And, you know, this isn't intramural sports. This is professional sports. And and if you're not performing, um, you, you, they make changes. And that's just the way that it is. And if you're not um, comfortable with that and, and happy with that, then you're just in the wrong line of work. Adam, let's grab a phone call here from 844-NASCAR-NBC. NASCAR is on with you. Go ahead, Carl. You're on with Adam Stevens. Hey, Adam. Uh, congrats on the win last Sunday. So we know the earlier that you win in the season, you kind of get an advantage because you're going to try different things with the car, learn some different things. Even though there's only five – there's still five to six races left before we start the playoffs and you've got the win. How much more are you willing to tinker with the car and try to learn these things while still trying to get wins and fill up that playoff point bucket? That's a great question. And I think a lot of that comes down to the situation that you're in. You know, we're in a much more comfortable situation than we were a few weeks ago. Um, but there is some kind of doomsday scenario where we could get bumped out. If, if we go blow a couple motors and have a couple crashes and we have two or three more winners in this stretch, you could put yourself in a bad spot. Now, is there a high likelihood of that happening? Probably not. So um, do we have some ability to, to tinker? We do. Um, and also you mentioned, and I would say probably more importantly, we need to fill that playoff point bucket up as best we possibly can. That's what's going to push you through those rounds. And if you look at the uh, layout of the schedule, that second round of the playoffs is it's going to be brutal. Um, you know, with the Roval and Talladega um, together, those are two more wild card races. And, and 
if you don't have some points to lean on, there's a good chance that if, if you have a bad race or two there, you're, you're not going to make it out of that round. So um, our priority right now is to sp find a way to, to win some stages and win some more races and climb up some uh, spots in the points. If we can pass another couple guys in the regular season standings, then then we'll get some more bonus points for that. But all the while doing that, you can always be learning. Um, we can learn from our teammates. We can learn uh, with our sim, sim tools. We can learn by reps on the racetrack, which is preferred. Um, but we have to balance that with trying to score some bonus points. So, Adam, I hate to do this to you. Uh, congratulations on winning, but that's over. Now you got to go to Pocono. So, <laughs> <laughs> what have you done for me lately? That's what this sport yeah, yeah. is. So, so I, I, I've said on Monday show, I think that uh, this weekend's race is perhaps one of the most difficult races of the year because with the new car, the extra drag that it makes on straights, uh, there's an opportunity to gain a lot of speed on the straights but give up some handling in the corners. And I'm just really curious uh, what your take is on that idea and how difficult this weekend will be. It's going to be tremendously difficult. Uh, you know, the thing that, that we have going for us was that we got to do the tire test there. Um, so, well, well, Bell did it for sure. So. Uh, and there was a wheel force test there, so all the manufacturers have a little bit of information. We're not going in there totally blind. Um, but Pocono, like any racetrack, is a compromise. You know, you're, you're definitely trying to balance the speed down the straightaways um, versus um, handling in the corners and ride quality in the corners. You know, over the years, it's become tremendously bumpy. And, and these cars, um, they can have a, a time over the bumps for sure. So. You have to really focus on getting those details of the setup right and making sure that uh, your compromise is going to produce the best lap time. And it's it's not easy, and there is a lot of guesswork. And even after the test and accumulating that data, we still can't sit here and say, this is the best setup, this is what we need to do. You're going to have to uh, build a little bit of adjustability in there and, and maximize that precious few minutes of practice that you have. Well, as we see there, you have three Pocono wins. Maybe you can make it a fourth, and you can add to that playoff point bucket. I'm sure that sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Absolutely. That's the goal. All right. Appreciate your time, Adam, and congratulations on the big win in New Hampshire. All right, guys. Thank you. Hi, bud. Adam Stevens joining us there, and I thought Bell did a fantastic job of managing that race, Jeff putting himself in a good position. I know he didn't like all that coaching from, from Adam, but I, I thought it was terrific. I mean, he did the, all the right things to be able to go out and win that race. Well, you know, yeah, Christopher Bell, I, you know, he's a superstar, and, and uh, you know, he's going to be a future star. He hadn't won those races yet to be determined, to defined as that, but it's yeah. coming. And Adam Stevens, you know, Adam Stevens is a guy that, you know, he won races with Kyle Busch. They split up. And everybody's like, well, you know, what is this? You know, is, can he get it done? There's no question Adam Stevens can get it done. And he's showing that with Christopher Bell. Chris was resolute. We are the fastest get his car, period, in the story. I mean, he was that That's confident awesome. with me. Yeah. And that Love shows that you confidence. the confidence that he has in Adam Stevens. And we just heard it from Stevens, too, that he feels yeah. the same way, which is, <laughs> that's saying something about that team. Coming up next, Kelly Stavis is back. That's right. Kelly's going to be here to talk a little bit about New Hampshire, Chicago, Pocono as well. Hi, Cal Bell. There's Kelly. Look forward <laughs> to hearing Kelly's thoughts next. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. 
Hey, Nate, here's the uh, weekend schedule for motorsports across the NBC Sports families. Uh, we have a busy weekend, don't we? It's always busy in NBC <laughs> Sports, Marty, especially when you've got two race uh, IndyCar races at Iowa Speedway back-to-back -back Saturday, Sunday. You will be in Iowa. I will be in Iowa. That's uh, going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited about that weekend. I'm, I'm pumped. Back-to-back -back NBC doubleheaders. I think Joseph Newgarden is going to be tough to beat there. I, I of course, Xfinity good. from on USA. Everything <laughs> NASCAR is on USA. Everything IndyCar on NBC this weekend. And the Cup Series race, which Jeff Burton has said is going to be the toughest race of the year for everyone. One young lady is going to be taking it all in, our dear friend Kelly Stavis. It is so great to see you. Welcome in, Kelly. I know it's so honored to have you here with us. But the Cup playoff picture, Kelly, I mean, it's just getting crazy these days. I know you've been taking it all in. Kind of give us your view on how everything's gone so far this year. Well, first, I have to say it is a different perspective watching from home and really just enjoying the broadcast. And kudos to you guys, because I definitely have a different perspective. And you guys have been crushing it. It's been so fun to watch as a fan. So congrats on what you've done so far. far and I look forward to, uh, to watching what's ahead. But yeah, it just seems like every week it kind of gets shaken up a little bit, the playoff picture. And the thing that has really caught my attention has been the number of drivers with just one win that in past were always locked into the playoffs with that win. And now, you know, there's a very real possibility that we could see more than 16 winners. And so then it's going to matter who has the most points of those with one win. And I love this graphic. You can see those guys at the bottom of this graphic, how close those points are from Austin Sindrick down. Um, of the guys who are, you know, have wins already this season. And I have noticed some of these drivers seemingly strategizing their races purely just to capitalize on points because they know how tight it is. And they're going to be fighting for every position on track on pit road because there could be a very real scenario where it comes down to those regular season points in addition to having a win that gets them into the playoffs. Jeff Kelly brings up a great point. Those bottom five are separated by 24 points. And from the day this point system came out, you said it's still a points race, everyone. It's not a win battle. It's a points race at the same time. Yeah, points, points are going to matter. The only way they don't matter quite so much is if, you know, you get 16 winners, right? right. And, but then you get bonus points or you get playoff points based on where you finish the regular season. So points are going to help set the stage. And Kelly makes a great point about racing for those points. Think about the strategy at Pocono. If you are close enough right. to the leader, you can pit or not pit, you know, with two to go and get, your, get, some, get some stage points or not get some stage points. This, it's going to shake this race up. It's going to shake the rest of the season up. But this race in particular going to Pocono, there's going to be some people that just want to pit because it gives them a better chance to win a race. But may not pit before the before the stage ends so they can get some stage points. Yeah, and I think that when I think about the point scenario, you just said it, Jeff, if they do get 16 winners, then I think it, it shifts into this weird place, especially like heading to Daytona now, where if you have 16 guys <laughs> who have won races and now you're Chase Briscoe, mm -hmm. um, oh. I mean, like... It's almost like you you have to like turn you know turn your brain around 360 degrees to think about how to approach this now because there are some guys who could win races and aren't going to bump you out, but there are some like depending on who the other winners are who will bump you out if they win a race. I can tell you the 14 team is freaked out about all these yeah, scenarios. They that, they are panicked. Like <laughs> I had my, that's why I love they I, yeah. I I had not even contemplated being oh, yeah, yeah. a guy going to out. Daytona. 
And we already have 16 winners with the threat of getting 17 winners. And Correct. you got to race for points. You can't just ride around in the back. I mean, that, and it goes back to Road America, to Kelly's point, that Chase Briscoe, Austin Cindric, they went for stage points because they needed those points because they right. couldn't let the other one gain more than them because they're so tight in that points battle. This so system is horrible. It's be fascinating. <laughs> you know, well, come on now. Uh, Kelly, I want to talk Chase Elliott. I kind of feel like we're back on pit road circa 2018-ish, right? Chase has finished right. first, second, first, second in the last four races. And he got out of the car Sunday and went, ah, I'm giving him away, you know. Well, I mean, are right. we seeing the old Chase Elliott come back here? I mean, I thought he all of a sudden had all this positivity, and now he's starting to go, ah, I'm not very happy with myself anymore. I think we are. He's always been really hard on himself. Uh, the other person that reminded me of was that season that Kevin Harvick had, where he was just top two, top two, top two, and he wasn't happy unless unless he had won. But, you know, in, in the time of... I've spent around Chase and his crew chief, Alan Gustafson. Alan's always talked about how even keel Chase is. He doesn't get too high. You know, we saw him get emotional after the win in Atlanta a, a little bit, which is about as much as you really, you really see out of him. Um, but it's impressive what this nine team has been able to do and how they've done it to come back from mistakes. Um, it's not that they've put together a hundred percent clean races. They've had to overcome some uh, some of their own uh, falters, and they've been able to do it. And then on the flip side of that, for me, is what's happened to Kyle Larson? Like, sure, his, his mm. crew chief been sidelined, but you know, this is a guy who dominated last year, had four wins at this point of the season, who has just one, and his teammate in the same equipment is out there looking for a win, sniffing a win every weekend, week out. Kelly, do you think that that uh, Chase Elliott has taken over and now he is the undoubtedly he's the favorite like five weeks ago? I didn't think we could pick that guy. Do you think he's taken that completely over now? Well, I do. And to your point, for a while in the season, it was like no one had separated themselves from the pack. You know, we had a couple guys with two wins and whatever, but especially given some of the tracks that that lay ahead for Chase with road courses where we know he's so good, so talented, um, a number of places where he could still add to that win total ahead of the playoffs. I do I do feel like he's kind of separated himself as the favorite. It's still not the lopsided, you know, the scenario we've seen in years past where whether it was Denny or Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick with these massive point leads where we knew they were gonna have kind of a gimme round of the playoffs. He still hasn't quite achieved that. But to me, he's the one I've got my eye on sort of week in and week out, given the run that he's just put together. I want to chat with everyone about the Kyle Busch situation. But, Nate, I know David Wilson had some insight in Chicago yesterday. So what sort of context was he able to put on where the current situation is? Yeah, so he talked to Dustin Long, stories on NBCSports.com, interview yesterday at the Chicago Street Course announcement. And David Wilson essentially told Dustin, like, look, we still want Kyle Busch to return to Joe Gibbs Racing. We still want him the number 18 car, but we're in a bad place uh, because mm. we have a sponsor fall through and contingency planning is underway. Like, they're trying to figure out, they're, they're still trying to figure out how to make this happen, but the word contingency was used. And, you know, I had Burton on the podcast on Monday, and as he put it, a very wise man whose initials are Richard Childress once <laughs> said that the longer this goes without Kyle Busch having signed, the less likely it seems he might return. So now, Jeff, we're to the point, like, we're hearing contingency, and that 
raises a red flag for me. If if they're trying to come up with uh, like alternative solutions to this, that's that's not a great sign either. Yeah, when 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 someone like David Wilson, who has been been very open about wanting Kyle Busch in that camp and how important he is, when he comes out publicly and says we have a lot of heavy lifting to do, uh, and it's approaching August, that's not what anyone wants to hear. Uh, it, it, it's uh, not headed in the right direction and something major has to change and it has to change quickly that's there is a time frame I sure. don't know what it is but there is a time frame because if Kyle Bush is going to go somewhere else and the other part of that you know Kyle said he's talking to other teams they have deadlines Joe Gibbs Racing has deadlines you know you don't just pull it knock a guy out of the seat and plug him in in June I mean in January like there's a time frame and it the clock's ticking and some big stuff clearly has to happen if they're going to get Kyle Busch signed again at Joe Gibbs Racing. And, Kelly, you know it has to be a distraction to the race team because they, they hear all this talk, right, and they're out there trying to do their job. So it's, a, it's not, not been a good situation. You know that emoji with the exploding head? That's <laughs> yes. what I felt when I read Dustin Long's article because not being around the track, I'm not privy to all the little chitter-chatter that we kind of get as, as we do our jobs and you kind of mm -hmm. get a better feel for the real scenario. In my mind, this was always just sort of, you know, posturing and whatever for, uh, surely they're going to bring him back. Surely this is a done deal and Kyle just wants more money and there's just little bits and pieces to work out. And so when, when Dustin put out that article, um, that really kind of blew my mind that we're looking at a two-time cup champion who is one of the greatest ever in this sport who whose future is uncertain and I just feel like where does he go everyone points or some people point to SHR but now Eric Almirola's future also seems to be up in question whether or not he comes back so for me that's the biggest question if not JGR where could Kyle Busch possibly go where is the opportunity where he can showcase his talents Kelly, you and I have covered many a Long Beach Grand Prix, and uh, it's one of our favorites, right? We will always say that's one of our favorite events on the IndyCar schedule. Now the Chicago Street Course race. What do you think about that? I'm so excited. This is another thing that was just was being whispered about for so long, and I didn't know if it would come to fruition. And as you said, I covered my first Long Beach Grand Prix back in 2009. I actually also... Uh, lived in Long Beach. So I kind of have a unique perspective in that I saw what it did for a community and the enthusiasm around it um, and just what it did for the sport. It's the racing is secondary when you have an event like this. And I think that's exactly as we look at this layout, what it will be like in Chicago when you're going along these iconic avenues. Um, it's going to be a, it's basically like a street fair where a race breaks out. Right. Mm. And, and, I have no idea. I'm not a race car driver. I can't look at that course and tell you if it's going to produce good races or not. But it's going to be an epic event, in my opinion, if it's done right. And yeah, Marty, sign me up. I'm there. <laughs> Any, I, I, anytime you put me in a, in a Grand Prix scenario, uh, I'm game. I'm there as well, Kelly. I mean, I love street course racing, and not so much for the racing, as I said earlier. It's more about the event. But when I look at that track map, I'm curious to get the, the driver, Jeff Burton, opinion here. 12 turns, and I think seven of them are 90-degree turns, and you said at the open you, you like this layout. What, what's good about 90-degree turns for passing? Well, it's braking zones. You have to, you know, in order to have, in order to have passing, you have to have braking zones, which means you've got to have a straight that goes to a 90-degree turn or a turn where you have to have heavy braking. And some of these corners, like turn three right there, you're going to be just going through that as you're braking into turn four. So you're going to, the car is going to have to drive well there, and then 
if you look at uh, turns eight and whatever we're going to call that nine ten complex, <laughs> we'll come up with some cool name. We'll give that to Nate. He's good with words. That does yeah. need a name. And, right. Yeah, we got to name that. And, something and better than bus stop. We'll yeah, come up with something that cool. is going to be fascinating to see how you get through 10 and 11. Uh, but there's a lot of breaking zones, which tends to lead to opportunities to pass. And the difference in this course, uh, Kelly, is that the width of it is nuts. I couldn't believe when I saw uh, the iRacing, uh, that in-car we were just watching from mm -hmm. iRacing and the iRacing, like, it's wide. It's crazy Lake how wide is it is. Really wide. Look at yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I had in my head it was going to be this tiny little course. And for our cars, I think that's important because a guy could get a good run off of this one and hang a right right here and try to outbreak him, and then they're both going to end up in that wall where it says Toyota. But that's <laughs> that's racing. I mean, that's how it's going to work. The drivers are going to have to work together well. But I see a lot of opportunities for passing, which I don't normally see when I look at street courses. I'm still predicting a lot of damaged race cars by the end of the weekend. Just saying. Oh, I, <laughs> that's I, not a bad thing. I know <laughs> it's, it's not. Bad. It's bad saying. for the drivers and bad for the teams, but that's sort of a hallmark of street course racing. And I know that, to Jeff's point, drivers are really worried about the width because they don't want those areas where things get jammed up and you have like a 20-car traffic jam for a caution. Like, But it seems as if this course might be conducive to not having as much of that. Kelly, I know you're going to be shocked about this. We already have an over a undergoing <laughs> as far as how many cars wrecked before the race. That's already yeah, started. Yeah. I know that shocks right. you. Yeah. I take the over. I don't know what the number is. I take the over. And <laughs> Kelly, by great. The way, I, just, yeah. I say kudos, kudos to Ben Kennedy and, and his group because I'm, I'm not a, a purist, and I love trying new things. And you'll never know if it works till you do it, right? So, like, I love, I applaud the effort. I, I agree with that. Great seeing you. Great insight. Yes, sir. On, on that real quick, you know, the purist, you know, Bristol wasn't always there. Somebody built it. Uh, correct. They had to run the first race at Bristol at some point. And, and, you know, traditions start by doing it one time. And so Daytona wasn't always there. Darlington wasn't always there. Bristol wasn't always there. Uh, you know, I, I hear this, well, the purists hate it. Well, did they hate Bristol before it got built? You know what I mean? Like, you got to try something, and you might love it. You didn't know you wanted an iPhone until somebody gave it to you. <laughs> and, you know, so you got to be open-minded to try some stuff. And this is something that NASCAR can replicate, take other places and plan in other spots of the country. So, Kelly, great seeing you. Hopefully we'll get to see you next Wednesday yep. as well. Great to see you guys. Thank you. All Thanks right, Kelly, Kelly Stavis joining us here. When we come back, let's talk about the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Riley Herbst will join us here. We'll talk to Riley coming up next. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Let me say this, people. Let me say this. Now, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say this. Sorry, caller. I'm going to say this. And let me say this. And I want to go on record with that, and I'm going to say it until heck freezes over, okay? But let me say this. Oh, my goodness, Kyle Petty. Uh, the A44 NASCAR NBC number, Jeff, it's live all the time. So you leave Kyle a voicemail. If you have a compliment, a complaint about anything going on in the world NASCAR racing, leave him a voicemail. Leave a rant if you want. 
and we may use it on the pre-race show at Pocono or any race coming up. We're here on Motor Mouse as well. Might use it on the post-race show as well. So if NASCAR does something you don't like during the race, Nate, call up, complain NAP about it. He wants to hear your complaints. Yes, we, we like, Kyle we, does. Anytime <laughs> Steve and I say something that fans don't agree with, they blame it on Kyle. So there's, there's a number. <laughs> call for NASCAR NBC. Uh, here's the Xfinity Series leaderboard as we had in the Pocono this weekend, the Tricky Triangle. Uh, the, the back half of the leaderboard, it looks fairly comfortable for Landon Castle at this point, but you never know. A lot of those uh, drivers in position there, Jeff, where they could, they could gain some points in the next few weeks, and there's a long way to go in the Xfinity Series regular season. There is. I think Landon Castle, like you said, Landon's pretty safe. I think a big one is, is Sheldon Creed. Sheldon could get on a roll, and, and you know, he's so, been so good in trucks. It's possible uh, that they could get rolling. Uh, they haven't, you know, they haven't they showed some speed this past weekend, uh, but I think that's the one that if I was in the Xfinity Series, I'd be looking at coming out of that, that bottom 13 to, uh, to try to get in the top 12. Let's welcome in an NASCAR Xfinity Series driver, Riley Herbst, joins us now. Riley, I know New Hampshire wasn't what you wanted, but three top 10s heading into that race. Do you get the sense you guys are building some momentum in the right direction? Yeah, for sure. Uh, first off, thanks for having me. But at this point last year, I think I was minus 70 points out of the playoffs or whatnot. Mm. So um feels pretty good to be a plus 132 headed um up to Pocono this year and hopefully we can keep building on that and add into more points yeah Riley that that run that Marty mentioned we had three straight top tens that started with uh qualifying first and finishing third at Nashville I noticed that that was after you had a little bit of a break after Portland was was that an opportunity to regroup did you guys come back with different cars different philosophies or just re-energize was there something to coming out of that break and having that momentum uh not really I mean after that break, we were uh, eager to get back to the racetrack because we blew a right front at Charlotte, um, and then we got wrecked at uh, Portland in the rain. So going to Nashville, we were pretty uh, pretty ramped up and ready to get to the racetrack, and um, obviously it was good to get the pole and run top three, top five all day and finish third. So hopefully we can ha- kind of have that same deal this weekend at Pocono. Right, you've had, a, you've had a strong year. I know you want even more, looking for some wins. Uh, what about this weekend? Are you, uh, you're, you're a Pocono guy or not? Yeah, I mean, I think I have to. That's kind of where I got my first uh, <laughs> first ARCA win for sure. So hopefully we can get our first Xfinity win this year. But uh, at Pocono this weekend, I should say. So uh, we'll see what we can do. <clears throat> How tough is it, Riley, not having teammates? And, and within that framework, who do you lean on? I mean, on the cup side, you've obviously got a lot of talented drivers over there. Who do you talk to about tracks coming up like Pocono this weekend? Yeah, well, uh, sometimes we have some secret teammates uh, at the racetrack. So Chase Briscoe and Cole Custer are my teammates some weekend. So it's definitely good to lean on them. And when they are in the Xfinity Series and um, running underneath the Ford banner, it's cool to have them um, with us and kind of sharing some information. But um, everybody on the cup side from Chase all the way up to Kevin and Eric and uh, Cole have all been really, really helpful to me. And um, I think that's been a huge step for my career and my progress from last year to this year. So you might not have any teammates on the track, Riley, but you know, we, before you came on, we were just talking about maybe some of your buddies off the track, uh, some golfing partners and whatnot. And I've seen, uh, I think it was a social video from NASCAR recently of Todd Gilliland, Harrison Burton, you know, young drivers like yourself all kind of hanging out. What's that camaraderie like? And how's your golf game uh, with your young uh, friends there? <laughs> yeah, well, my golf game is awful, but um, <laughs> in better at 
every single match. So hopefully that's the uh, steps we like. But obviously me, Todd, and Harrison, and um, our other buddy Ricky Stanthouse in the Cup Series, we we work out every morning together. So um, it's cool to kind of build this group. And then sometimes in the afternoons we'll go golfing together and whatnot. So um, I don't know. We all kind of drive for different teams and have uh, different areas in our careers where we're at, but we still come together and uh, play some golf and try to push each other to be better on the golf course and obviously with our physical yeah when you learn how to how to drive driver better let us know you know we all could use a lesson no up here so yeah i heard i heard a young man joined you a couple weeks ago over here for for a little while we won't talk about I that though so. i did catch <laughs> you did. yeah yeah exactly they were, they were playing very slowly I, <laughs> I wonder why uh let's grab a couple phone calls marvin in ohio wants to get a chat with you marvin go ahead you're on with riley herbst how you doing, Riley? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, man. Well, uh, you know, I love how you mentioned the Tricky Triangle is uh, one of your favorite tracks, and it's where you got your first ARCA win. But besides that, what do you love the most about racing at the Tricky Triangle besides uh, having your first win in the ARCA Menard Series? Hey, Marvin. Um, I obviously really love and enjoy the fan base up there just because um, that northeast uh, area doesn't really get that many races, so it's cool to go up there and um, race in front of Just like how you, each corner of the racetrack is so different. All right, Riley, we appreciate you dropping by, man. We'll see you in Pocono. Best of luck this weekend. Best of luck with the golf game as well. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Riley Herbs joining us there. A little bit of internet issues there for Riley as well. So uh, let's chat real quick about the Xfinity Series. You know, the talk going into New Hampshire, Jeff, was JRM versus Joe Gibbs Racing. Obviously, JRM, the big win, you know. Ty Gibbs, is, it wasn't two weeks ago we were crowning Ty Gibbs the champion. I mean, yeah. as all of a sudden JRM called them, I mean, what, what's your view of the, that battle? Well, look at what Justin Algar has done in the last eight or nine races. I mean, he's cut that lead yeah. a lot. And now, you know, these young guys got to deal with the old guy. And, and Justin Algar brings uh, something that they don't have, and that's a ton of experience. He's a tremendously talented. Uh, and on top of that, you know, remember, he ran cup full-time. He's running Xfinity full-time. This guy's got a lot of laps under his belt, and he knows how to handle situations where a lot of these young guys are just trying to figure it out. And so... I don't know. I, 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 this could, is this the year? Is this the year right. that, that that right. team can put it all together and make it happen? Mm. And, and uh, it's starting to look – It's starting to, he definitely has a shot. It'll be interesting to see if they can improve throughout the year because that's what it's going to take. If, you're, if you don't run better, yeah. you know, 12, 15, 18 weeks from now, then 17 weeks from now that you're running today, it won't be enough. They're going to have to get better, but it's interesting to see if they can do it. And we've seen Justin Allgaier in this position before, Jeff. I think it was 2018 where he was the clear-cut favorite at the end of the regular season that year. He had multiple victories, won the playoffs, right. had a steam. And he almost feels a little bit like the Denny Hamlin of the Xfinity Series, mm. where he's never quite gotten that championship, but he's always the guy we're talking about every year. And I don't know how many times he's made the championship for, but I think it's been a couple. Um, and I'm, I'm as intrigued by that battle at the top of the standings as we showed at the, the bottom where, around well, the cut line. I mean, yeah. all guys closing in on Gibbs now. With the them. regular season championship standings yeah. is getting crazy. You know, this is the playoff standings, but the battle for those 15 bonus points and right. the regular season title between Ty Gibbs, Justin Allgaier, and A.J. Allmendinger, I mean, it's getting insane in the last few weeks. 
I mean, Allgaier's won two of the last four. Um, it doesn't feel like yep. we're talking about Ty Gibbs nearly as much, at least on the racetrack. Uh, you know, I, we're obviously going to be talking about a lot of off the racetrack as Kyle Busch continues to crop up. And, you know, I don't know if there's correlation there, but it's interesting. It is, it is interesting. And Ty has those four wins, but I think three of those were last lap passes. Right. So, you know, that kid is <laughs> extremely talented. That's a very fast race car, but they don't have the pace that they had last year. It just doesn't <laughs> feel like that to me. I feel like they were faster last year. <laughs> uh, Junior Motorsports has closed that gap. And I think if he is going to win that championship, he, they are going to have to get better. They are going to have to find some more speed because you've got four junior motorsports cars bringing tons of speed every single week. Sam Mayer hadn't quite connected all the dots to be able to you know, make it all happen, but he's fast. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a difficult battle. Could we see four junior motorsports cars in Wow, no, don't even start that talk. <laughs> that, yeah, I, th I think this. I don't think the debate's been settled. JRM, Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, quite yet. But yeah. I think we're starting to see it shape up with Allgaier's wins and Josh Berry kind of lurking there as well. So it's going to be very interesting. So, hey, when we come back, time to talk a little Cup Series and Pocono. That's coming up next. Plus, SummerSlam car racing this weekend. Yes, who's driving it? Find out next. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. NASCAR is on USA. It's a race for the playoffs. The drama. He gets turned into the ball. The excitement. Yeah, the characters. You don't like that kind of racing? Don't even watch it. Next up, Pocono. What a great battle. Unbelievable. He's going to win at Pocono. NASCAR, Sunday, 3 Eastern on USA. Uh oh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's Corey LaJoy. He's got the belt over his shoulder. He's calling him out right now. It's the seven sits straight from heaven. That is terrific. Corey LaJoy will be in the SummerSlam car. I thought they'd an outstanding job on that video. He's, I didn't know. He's got know. wrestling moves, apparently. He does, evidently. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, any, uh, any truth to the rumor that you're part of SummerSlam no. this year? No, no that's not. That's just a rumor <laughs> in the garage area. No, absolutely not. Not no. going to happen. No. Uh, you can see the schedule for what's going to happen this weekend at Pocono. Let's grab one more phone call before we dive into the Pocono talk with uh, the mayor and the professor here. Let's go to James in Nevada. James, what's on your mind today, bud? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I figure I'll dive right into the Pocono talk for you. Jeff's been talking a lot about reliability and toughness um, at this Pocono track. I would assume we can expect one, two shifts um, in multiple corners. Jeff and Nate and Marty uh, as well. Where are you guys expecting reliability issues to be? Are you expecting them to be transox-related? And do we need to make any adjustments to the car going forward if we have a lot of reliability issues this weekend. Hmm, there Thank you go. You. Thanks. Appreciate the question, James. Uh, I don't I don't know that we have any idea what to expect this weekend at Pocono. No, we don't. I mean, we really haven't seen hardly any reliability issues. We had two yeah, issues yeah. this past week. 
Uh, and I know uh, actually fly on, coming home with, with the guys with the, uh, with the transactional company, they were digging into it, trying to figure it out. Uh, I had not got a report back, but going into New Hampshire, I wasn't expecting any. Right. Uh, and, then, and then you think about the road courses that we've run and just have had very, very little issues. The biggest issue, I think, for Pocono is, is we, you know, we, every now and then we hear drivers talking about brakes and brake shake and all that stuff. The front straightaway is so long, and you've got such a heavy braking zone into one. And, the, you know, can you, then you go down that long back straightaway, and they, the brakes cool really, really fast, and they get hot really, mm. really fast. That is going to be interesting to me to see if anybody has any issues with that. So the two guys above the cut line, Ryan Blaney, and Martin Truex Jr., and the guy right below the cut line, Kevin Harvick, all of whom are winless, they all have won at Pocono. Um, and Truex has won multiple times, and Harvick was 2020. Blaney got his first cup career victory there in 2017. Does any of that matter? I mean, is, is Pocono a track where driving style or, you know, pre- preference can matter? Or is it, like, you know, like, as you've said, it's so unpredictable this year with a new car, new setups. How can you know, apply anything from the past to now? Well, I think it always matters. I mean, I think a driver feeling good about going somewhere, uh, understanding how to run the racetrack, I think all that matters. Uh, but there are so many unknowns. I mean, Chase Elliott going to New Hampshire said he was horrible at New Hampshire. Said these next two races, New Hampshire and Pocono, he was really scared about because they've been not good there at all. That was and accurate. Then he goes and you know wins the race. The best New no, Hampshire race, the race but runs really well. Time. Yeah, yeah. And then so how can he run? How can he run at Pocono? I you know I don't know. I mean it's it's there's so many unknowns. That's what's been fun about this year. I do know it's a it's, it is going to be a difficult race. It's a, it's a lot of challenges there uh, that other racetracks don't present. So let's dive into it. James asked about the shifting. I mean, how many shifts are we going to see lap? Do you have any idea yet of what's that going to look like? I mean, because we're, we're seeing, you know, where they're shifting four times at Martinsville. What are we going to see this time? Well, I think you'll see shifting in every corner. I think it's a possibility you could see a double downshift into uh, three when mm. everybody gets bottled up on a restart. You could get slow enough to have to to have to downshift twice into three. Here's why this racetrack is so tough. So look at Look how long this straightaway is. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is Kevin Harvick uh, racing Blaney. Um, I don't – oh, okay, I'm sorry. So, this is Busher. Uh, so, a lot of bumps right there. This, this threw me back when Harvick and Blaney racing for the win. <laughs> yeah, That's what exactly. I thought this was. Yeah, yeah. They have a lot of bumps into one. But look at this straightaway. This is one of the shorter straightaways. Right. And look how long this straight is. I mean, it lasts forever. And, and – then you go down in the tunnel turn. Watch these bumps right here. Huge Ooh. bumps in the middle of the tunnel. Uh, these cars don't like bumps. And now you go into turn three again, a long straightaway. Very flat entry. Uh, very little banking. I mean, it's just, this is a huge challenge. And, and the one thing we've seen with this car also is that you need to be able to offset a little bit. Like if you can get a little bit offset, this trailing car, if you can get to the right, or get to the left, that helps the downforce on the trailing car. The last year's cars wanted to be offset just to the left. Hmm. So you wanted the left front headlight getting air on it. This car, you can get the left front or the right front, and that helps that downforce. So being able to move around a little bit on this racetrack, I think, will be really important. But you have such long straights that there's a ton of speed to gain if you can take a little downforce off that car, take some drag off of it, Make the car go down the straightaway faster, but you're going to pay the price when you get to the corner because now the car isn't going to drive as well because downforce makes the car drive well. So 
I think the teams have a tremendous amount of give and take they're going to have to go through. And, by the way, you get, what, 20 minutes of practice? Right. Which Correct. at Pocono yeah, right. is, what are you going to get? I mean, how many laps are you going to get at Pocono? So, is there a concern about tires? I mean, I see all those bumps. And this, the, it, this car has been really hard on the left rear tire for some reason. Well, it has been. I, but the teams have gotten smarter and smarter and smarter on air pressure. Goodyear's gotten smarter and smarter about some tools that the teams can use to help measure the load on the tires. So is tires a potential issue? Yes, it certainly is. But I think the teams are a lot smarter than they were even two weeks ago. So I get what you're saying, Jeff, about the compromise between you know the arrow and giving up handling in the corners versus decreasing drag and having that horsepower on that straightaway, the main straightaway, which, as you said, it's literally long enough to land an airplane on. Um, and if you have the horsepower and you have you know the least amount of drag, you'd probably be able to pass somebody. But... What I'm curious about, and I, we've heard this discussion before this year, about the downshifting. We heard it at Martinsville. Does that help a driver who's trailing to make a pass, or does the fact that they have to downshift twice to, you know, does that sort of neutralize that factor? The fact that, so we've had this argument years ago at Pocono. Remember, we shifted forever right, yeah, at Pocono, right, right. and then there were some right. rules made where you couldn't shift, and everybody said, you can't pass, you can't pass. They brought shifting back, and they're like, you can't pass, you can't pass. Like, if the guy <laughs> in front can shift. Yeah. And the guy in the back can shift, then why is it an advantage to the guy in the back to shift? Like, I don't buy it. I think it actually, I almost feel the other way. I almost feel like if you couldn't shift, it would make passing maybe a little bit easier because then if you didn't get through the corner very well, you don't have as much to recover. The RPMs don't save you to get the car launched back out of the corner. So drivers will debate that until the end of time. But I just don't understand how it can be an advantage to shift if the, to pass if the guy in front of you can pass as well. Sense. To me, I find it very compelling. We've kind of been going through, the number one, the playoff standings, but also the tracks coming up. So you brought this point up to me on Sunday, Nate. So when you look at the six remaining tracks this year, Ryan Blaney has won at three of them. Martin Truex Jr. has won at three of them. Right. Kevin Harvick has won at five of them. Right. So there's a lot of comfort, and those are the three guys right around the cut line. So there's a real factor that all three could win in these final six races. And, and Truex is interesting because even though he's won at three, one of them is, is Watkins Glen. And we've seen how much Gibbs has been struggling on road courses this year. So sure. to me, if you're Truex, I feel like it's, it's this weekend or it's Richmond. And then, I'm sorry, all bets are off for the Glenn in Daytona for him, I think. Well, aren't you, Mr. Optimist? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, listen, I agree. I, 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 don't know how, I don't know how anybody driving a Toyota can feel good about going to Watkins Glen. Right. They have not been on road courses at all. How can you feel good about it? And, yes, I think that Martin Truex Jr. is now, after last weekend, is now looking the points to an, oh, my goodness, like this is changed. The game's changed. He told Parker after the race, we have to win, win. Yeah. which I shocked me. I'm like, don't you have a 68-point cushion? Blaney told me before the race that he thought they had to win wow. to get in. He told me that before the race. So that's what's on everybody's mind. And the problem is you can't just all get together and say, we're going to win this week. <laughs> right. There's a reason you haven't won to this point. There's a reason you're going to have to be better as a team, do everything right if you're going to get this win. And then on the Ford side of the equation, you would think Harvick, yeah, he can go to Michigan or he can win at Pocono, but they have really struggled arrow-wise. Like they got to trim their cars way out to make them work. And I'm not sure they can beat a Hendrick or a Gibbs head-to-head 
at a place like Michigan or Pocono. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And then there's the Indy Road Course, which we yeah, which trust is, at all. Yeah, it's here too, and who knows right, what's going to happen. Right. We're just we hope the track just stays together. But, but again, back to back to Gibbs and Toyotas. There's two road yeah, courses. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you can pretty much write off the Toyotas at this point. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things to discuss this weekend. Right about I'm, it. I'm Mr. Optimistic, like Gosh. you said. Did you say write off the Toyotas at the road course? They've not been good on the road courses. We'll see you Saturday, 9:30 a.m. from Pocono. Can't wait to get to the tricky triangle this weekend. The fact that none of us know what to expect, that's going to make it fun on Saturday and Sunday. See you then. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.